Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. For those of you that were with us uh, last Sunday, for the last Sunday of 2018, uh, we were so encouraged as a church family to hear of the testimonies. Uh, one of them uh, like, I don't know about you, but I, was, I went home to wherever I was eating lunch with family and whoever. I was sharing the testimonies that we heard. I was greatly encouraged uh, to hear them, even uh, from Nathan, little Nathan de Cesare, about how God healed his finger from a, break, a broken bone in his uh, middle finger. And uh, we are, as a church, believing for signs and wonders, um, and we will not stop praying we won't stop believing and we won't stop praying because we believe that God uh, still, still heals, still does miracles. And as his church, we ought to operate and be his hands and feet. So we will lay hands on the sick and pray. And this coming week of prayer on the Friday night in particular, uh, we're going to spend time praying uh, for the sick. So if you are sick in your body, someone in your family, uh, if they're unwilling or unable to come... I encourage you to, to come Friday, stand in the gap for them if they're unable to be here. Uh, if they're unwilling, we will still pray that God will touch them and miraculously they'll have an encounter with him. Um, or if you have friends that are sick, um, bring them, tell them. And we're just believing in faith that God can do what he said he will do. Amen. And so I'm excited for this week of fasting and praying. Um, we're going to be spending time setting, uh, consecrating this year in this way. And it's never easy because we want to deny the flesh and feed the spirit. Now, you might say, well, there are different ways. But biblically speaking, a fast has to deal with food. The, like nowadays we have social media and we can fast those things and fast TV and fast whatever your routine might look like that maybe distracts you. Uh, but I have to let you know that food has to be a part of it. Why? Because we rely on food. And if your stomach is similar to mine, sometimes this guy likes to be the king, right? If, if I hear that, right? I remember Mr. Big commercials had that growl in it. It's like when you hear that, you're like, I, I got to get some food. It's almost like an auto responder, right? That we go to the fridge or we go to the fast food uh, drive through line, whatever that habit might be. So this week, we're denying the flesh, the pleasures of tasty food, uh, things that appease our, our flesh. And fasting is a way to conquer the physical and open the door to the supernatural in your life. So when you deny your body, you feed your spirit and actually grow closer to the Lord. Uh, I remember in scripture, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we have to, this week, say no to some things that we like to eat and to, to say yes to the heavenly food that God's going to bring us. And, and we are going to feed on his word and we're going to spend time praying as well. The Hebrew words for fasting are sum, which is the verb, and som, the noun. And it's a phrase which refers to the same thing as ina napso. And that's a whole bunch of fancy wording, I know. But it basically means to afflict the soul. To afflict the soul. So that word fasting when, uh, is basically implying the sacrifice of the personal uh, the personal will, which gives fasting its value. So we're inflicting pain, so to speak, here. We're denying this, our personal will, which will in turn give fasting its value. You see, you might say, well, fasting is for you, pastor. Fasting is for the more spiritual people in the church. But I want to submit this thought to you just as we get started, that fasting is for every believer. Fast, Like there are other religions that have the practice of fasting and extensive fasting as well. Um, there are people who use the word fasting simply for health benefits because there are health benefits that come with fasting. 
Uh, it can lower your cholesterol. And there are all these other things that my wife and I were talking about last night. But I'm not doing it for the health benefits. I'm doing it for the spiritual benefits and the blessings that come. And so uh, we have to make sure that when we are fasting these seven days, that we are doing it for the right reasons and the right motivation. Uh, if you're stepping on the scale every morning just to see progress, um, you're probably approaching it the wrong way because food and diet is the thing that's driving your fast. What should be driving our fast is the, the, the closeness that we desire to have with the Lord. That we are saying no to all of those things to say yes to what God has for your life. And that's the blessing that comes with fasting. We begin to fine-tune our relationship with God. We begin to fine-tune hearing His voice again. And at the end of today's message, I'll leave you with the blessings found in prayer and fasting. Uh, but basically, fasting, I submit to you, is for everybody. For everybody. And here's an example found in Matthew 4, 1 and 2. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Verse 2 says, For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. So my thought process works something like this. If Jesus could have accomplished all he came to do without fasting, why did he fast? Why did Jesus have to fast? If the Bible says he was fully God and fully man, why did Jesus have to fast? The Son of God fasted because he knew there were supernatural things that could only be released that way through prayer and fasting. And so here's the thing. If Jesus fasted, why do I think I could get away with not fasting? Right? Human logic says, well, if Jesus did it, I should do it too. I, I asked the same question. Why did Jesus get baptized in water? He, he, he didn't get saved. He didn't have to. But he led the way for all of us. He showed us the way we should go and then said, now do as I have done. You see, if Jesus was going to ask his disciples to fast and pray, he had to first model it for them. And here's the beautiful thing about the life of Jesus. So he gets baptized. He's led into the wilderness, Matthew 4, verse 1. It's telling us that he fasted for, for 40 days in verse 2. It said that he was very hungry. So you will experience withdrawal symptoms. I had my last coffee this morning, and I'll be seven days without it. I know tomorrow I'll be in the fetal position on the bedroom floor uh, saying, baby, just leave me alone because I, I, I'll get the jitters a bit. It's true, it happens every time, and it takes me about two or three days to just rid the body of those toxins and those cravings, and then by Wednesday, when we start meeting for prayer, I'll be in a little bit of a better spot, but, but the point is we feel the effects because we're denying the flesh what it likes, and so Jesus fasted. He became very hungry, but you know what the amazing thing is? After that 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, the Bible tells us his ministry began. And with that came the mighty miracles, the signs and the wonders, the healings through Jesus' ministry. So maybe you're here and you're a Christian, you're a believer, and, but you don't feel the presence of God in worship or in your devotion time. Maybe you don't even have devotion time. Maybe you say, well, I believe, but I don't see things happening when I pray and I don't receive answers to prayer. Uh, Maybe this aspect is what's been blocking and missing in your life. Prayer and fasting, fully consecrating your life to God. There's something about it that for even Jesus, it launched him and propelled him into his effective ministry. And you might say and argue, yeah, but he was fully God, so that's why his ministry was effective. And I would argue with you back that he was fully man and he was actually relying on the Holy Spirit through his ministry. He, it wasn't that God was, was just doing, no, he had to rely on the Holy Spirit. And why, or else why would he often withdraw and pray? He was drawing strength for daily ministry. So this seven days, we are going to draw strength as we gather together, as you find your secret place, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 
And, and Sunday, we're going to break our time of fasting right here in our service with communion. And it's, it's a powerful time because that's us being launched into 2019 as a church family. Saying, God, everything you have in store for us, Lord, we now feel empowered that we've invested the time. Lord, we hear you better now for what you have in store for 2019. And with great confidence, we go through the rest of the year. You might say, well, how is what I do now able to affect the rest of the year? Well, think of when you go to the bank, right? If you put your best down payment or deposit at the beginning, it affects all the, the following month's payments, right? You lower down your mortgage or however that situation might look for you. If you put something in savings or invest it at the beginning, you see the reward harvesting as the months pass. And it's the same way with as we invest in this time of prayer and fasting that we are going to see the rewards of what we've invested and sown now. When you think of planting a seed in the ground, it's no different. You put one seed in the ground at the beginning in the spring, but when harvest time comes in the fall, you don't just get one tomato or one cucumber because you put one seed. The, the harvest is always greater than the seed that you have sown. That's a principle of sowing and reaping. You don't have to be a believer to believe the principle or the law of sowing and reaping. Because what you reap is always greater than what you've sown. So whether it's in the area of finances, whether it's literally in your backyard garden, the seed is one thing, but the harvest is another thing. And so right here at the beginning of 2019 as a church, we are sowing seed. We're putting seed in the ground. We're investing prayer and fasting. And here's the thing. Yes, for the church. The church will benefit. But I'm saying this is for you. This is for you. All I'm called to do is lead us to this time as a church. But I can't force you to do it. I can't. My question is, how hungry are you for the things of God? Because right now you might just be really full on, on breakfast still. And you're like, I'm, I'm good, Pastor. I'm, I'm good. I don't need anything else. I'm solid. I'm good till 12 p.m., right? That's fine. But the Bible says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And so my question is, are you hungering after the things of God? Are you hungering after the things of God? Because God will reward you. He will satisfy that hunger and he will fill you to overflow. Fasting is for everybody. So fasting basically is us telling God, God, you have my attention. You, you have my attention. I'm looking to heaven. These next seven days, uh, I would encourage you, don't watch TV. Break those normal habits if you have them. Don't be so keen to scroll and spend a half hour on, on Instagram. Take those normal things Put them aside, replace them with spiritual things. Read your Bible in that time that you would read your Facebook timeline. Read the Word of God. Spend time worshiping in your home. Spend time praying in your secret place. Um, we, we said last Sunday, uh, we gave like a, a fasting guide to kind of prepare. We have about 25 of them that we left at guest services today. That it's just a guide to help you through these next seven days. There's no recipes in them. We said this last week. The purpose was, I felt the last years we've always focused on how good could I make this taste? Uh, how, you know, oh, you can make the oatmeal and banana and applesauce cookies or whatever. And, and you, we try to replace the real thing, like the bad cookies, that they're not good for your health, with these tasty-ish kind of things. And, and I felt like we focused on how good can we make the fast taste in our mouth. Um, and, and really, I want to move our attention off of that and say, how motivated are we to fast and pray? Right, and So we didn't put recipes in there. Uh, you could Google them and find good ones. Uh, but, but I really want us to focus on the intent, which is prayer and fasting. So as the Holy Spirit leads you in these next seven days, you, some of you told me already, we're, we're doing 21 days. We're doing 21. God bless you. 
do as the Spirit leads you. We're just saying as a church, we're going to meet on this week to fast and pray. If you want to do longer, do what the Holy Spirit says. Uh, someone emailed me. They don't attend this church, uh, but they're a friend of mine. They said, uh, I'm starting a 40-day fast with no food at all, just water. But everyone around me is telling me I'm crazy, that I should stop. So I simply said, well, basically, I ask yourself, did God lead me to do this? Or is this just me deciding I'm going to try 40 days? Because 40 days is very long. Jesus did it, but I, I've known very few people who've done it. And like they look very different after 40 days with no food. Um, but he responded to me and he said, thank you for that word because it, it wasn't God telling me. It was just me thinking I need to do it or I, it's a good thing to do. Um, so he's modified his plans for, for the next couple of weeks. Um, do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If you have health concerns, speak with your doctor. Don't, don't just try stuff uh, for the sake of thinking you're a superhero Yes, God honors our time of prayer and fasting, uh, but as well, there's a right way to approach it. And I believe there's also, there are, there are wrong ways to go about it where you can also put yourself at risk. So I would say ultimately, though, what is the Holy Spirit leading you to do and to give up? And then follow that up. If it's a big ask that you feel God's asking you and you have some concerns, speak with a, a physician, a family doctor. It is important. But ultimately, we break it down to this. It says, God, you have my attention now. Not my stomach. You, God, you have my attention. And then if it doesn't mean anything to you, chances are it won't mean anything to God. You're fast. So if what you're giving up doesn't mean much to you, eh, it's not that big of a deal to give this up. It's probably not meaning much to God as well. And so fasting, again, when we look at the original words in Hebrew, it's to afflict the soul. Jesus was hungry when he was going through this. He was tempted as well. So listen, this is going to be, it's not going to be easy, but I'll tell you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's, there's a blessing that comes with fasting. And in Matthew 6, we're getting to our text now. In Matthew 6, Jesus gave us specific direction on how to live as a child of God. And that pattern uh, addressed three specific duties of a Christian. Giving, praying, and fasting. And Jesus said, when you give and when you pray... And when you fast. So he was making it clear that fasting, just like giving, we took up our offering already today, just like giving and just like praying, is a normal part of Christian life. And when all three of these disciplines, giving, praying, and fasting, are at work in your life, you release the complete power of God. You release the complete power of God when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And so if you have your Bible, would you open up to Matthew chapter 6? And if you can stand to your feet, if you're able, in honor of God's word, Matthew chapter 6. And we'll begin reading right at verse 1. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And here's what it says. It'll also be on the screen behind me. Verse 1. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give, there's the instruction, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 5, when you pray, there's the second one, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need 
even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not... And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then verse 16, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you today for your word. God, I thank you for the clarity in Jesus' instructions about giving fasting and praying and Lord as we approach this week we simply invite your presence in a fresh and new way God we desire fresh anointing for 2019 let there be new wine in new wine skins I pray and Father I thank you for every person that is here within the sound of my voice who will Lord deny their flesh in the coming week and Lord devote themselves wholly to you God in fasting and in prayer Lord, I thank you that Jesus said we will receive our reward from heaven. And Father, I thank you today for the blessings that we also get from fasting and praying. So God, I, I ask for your anointing now on my mind, my lips, and my heart as I speak your word. Father, may we receive it the way you intend it to be spoken. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. These three words, giving, praying, and fasting, are the most prominent practical requirements for personal piety in mainstream Judaism. So this was something that was like, if you were praying and you were fasting and you were giving, it was something to be proud of. Uh, and I wouldn't say publicly, but more like, hey, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing. But what the hypocrites in our text were doing was, they knew that these were important things about, about life, and they were promoting them publicly. They were showing them off publicly in the synagogues and on street corners, in modern-day context, in the church, and on, on social media, if you want to put it that way. That they were saying, look at what we're doing. Look at what we're doing. And I know that as a church and as, you know, we say, hey, we're fasting and praying. Here's our service times. Here are our prayer times. I get that. Um, and, I, and this is meant more as a corporate fast, what we're doing. So it's like we will all know that we're fasting and praying. Um, but there are times where you will also need to pray and fast on your own. Uh, again, this isn't just something that the church has to lead you in. At the beginning of a year, no, this is a practice that we have instilled just to set our course for the year. Uh, but there are times that you should be fasting and praying for yourself. You don't need to wait for me to call a fast and call a solemn assembly, as it says in Joel in the Old Testament, and, and proclaim a fast for the people. No, as a believer, Jesus was letting us know that when you give, when you pray, and when you fast... So it's expected that this is a part of our life as a believer, as a Christian. And so uh, Jesus accepts them as central also to the religious life of his disciples. And when verse 1, he's telling us that they were not to be done ostentatiously. What does that mean? To, to do it in a showy way as to impress other people. Uh, you're not more spiritual if you pray and use lots of words. Uh, Jesus already addressed it in the text, and we'll get to that in a second. If you're fasting 21 days, it doesn't mean you're more spiritual than those who are fasting 14 days or 7 days or 3 days. It just means that the Holy Spirit has nudged you in a specific way. What's important is your obedience to do what the Spirit is saying and to obey what Jesus has told us in His Word. And so we're not doing it towards men. We're doing it towards God, 
right? It's us saying, God, you have my full attention. But what the people were concerned with in the text was being showy and doing it to impress people. Look, we're giving. It says that they were like blowing trumpets at the street corners and in the synagogue saying, here, look, look, can you hear? And like, you know when you drop money in a basket well, or a can? It's like, you know, you're making sure everyone's looking. Okay, okay, listen to this. Right? And maybe you're like, hey, can you rattle it a bit to show that? And then you're like, and you would walk away. Right? We don't give at Weston like that. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't know what you give. I don't know if other ministries, the pastors are checking to see who gives what and how much, and then they show favoritism and maybe want to hang out with those who give more, perhaps. I, I couldn't care less because you're not giving for me, um, and I'm not preaching for your approval either, right? We live for the approval of heaven. And so when you give, you, you don't get, I mean, I'm excited when people get it because it unlocks so much in your life. But what happens is we give and God takes note. And this is the important thing. So we don't do it for man's approval. You can shake that offering plate as loud as you want. Um, you won't catch my attention that well. Um, so my prayer is when we give, when we pray, when we're fasting, we're doing it for him, for heaven's attention. We're doing it to say, God, listen, you have my all. You have my heart. Because what truly when you give, when you're at that point in your walk with God that you're able to give and you're spending time praying and you're spending time fasting without me having to tell you and remind you and, and, and lead you by the hand, really you're saying, God, you have my heart. You have it all. You have everything. And this is the point that Jesus is getting at. The hypocrites were concerned about people noticing but we ought to be more concerned with God noticing. And he does, he notes, he sees, he sees everything that we do in secret and in private. And here's what Jesus says about those hypocrites who do it for the, the approval of man. He says, that's all the reward they get. That's, it stops right there. It ends right there. Someone noticed, that's it. That's the only reward they get. But when you do it for the right reason and the right motive, and you do it, and God sees it, guess what? He is the one who will reward you. And there's, there's no limit to God's hand, to his resource. His hand's not short, and his ear's not deaf, the Bible says. So I want you to know in this week of fasting and praying, that his hand is not short, his ear's not deaf. You might say, but then why haven't I experienced his blessing and why do I feel like he's not hearing my prayers? I want to submit this, that maybe it's you who needs to realign and retune and fine-tune yourself to his voice. To position yourself under his hand of blessing. And that's the key to prayer and fasting, is it realigns you on the straight and narrow path. It, it allows you to hear God, because he didn't stop speaking. But maybe we've stopped listening. We've started hearing other things that have, have attracted our attention and our ear. So fasting and praying, when we say no to the flesh, we're realigning ourselves to say, okay, God, and I'm positioning myself now to hear again. I hear again. I'm in my prayer room. Listen, on your lunch hour, if you're fasting lunch, um, or maybe you're saying, I I'm going to do things a little differently, uh, instead of eating in the cafeteria, what you could do is go eat in your car if you have a vehicle or go on a prayer walk. Spend that hour instead of just chatting with friends and hearing all the gossip from the holidays and whatnot, someone's vacation, the weekend, how drunk your friend was or whatever that story might look like for you. Go on your prayer walk. Go in your car and make that your hour of prayer. So instead of doing that stuff, this is what I'm going to be doing this week. And you're going to see, you're going to start to hear God's voice again in a fresh way. And Jesus said, when you give, when you give. So from Jesus' perspective, giving wasn't optional, it was expected for his disciples. And we're talking New Testament now, right? When you give. He's saying this is how you should do it. As a church, we are called to be generous. We are called to be generous. And I just want to speak for a second on giving because I know we're heading into prayer and fasting. But maybe some of us, we don't give. Maybe when offering comes, you're like, well, that's for the other people. 
I'm, I don't have to do that. You're right. No one's forcing you to give. But Jesus said in the life of a believer, there's this expectation that we are givers. Not takers. We are givers. And so the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So here's what I want to say. As a baseline, the word in the Bible is a tithe. A tithe means a tenth. What that means, as we put that into practice, a tenth of everything that comes into my hand in terms of finances, I give to God. I, I Personally, I thank God. Everything I have is yours anyways. I'm just returning a portion of it. And so a tenth is the baseline uh, in giving. But here's what I want to say. Maybe you've never given in your life. And you're saying, a tenth of everything that comes into my, my wallet or my bank account? Listen. I'm not going to push you or force you, but I'm going to challenge you in this simple area. Start giving something. Commit to giving something in 20, in 20, I was going to say 18, 2019. Commit, maybe it's 1% of whatever comes into your hand that you would start to say, God. And here's the thing. As you include God in the area of finances, you allow God into the area of finances. And he's able to bless you in that way. But that, that's called open-handed living. But when you live closed-handed, this is what happens. Nope, this is mine. But what happens when your hand is closed? You can't put anything else in it either. So when we give and we learn to the principle and practice of giving, it's open-handed living. So what I truly believe for my own life is that when God sees how I handle money, that I'm not, I don't have you know, a clenching fist, Money comes in and it can go out easily. I don't, money is just a tool in my hand. I, I, I've seen God put more in it. I've seen God put more in my hand when I live open-handed than when I live closed-handed. And I could talk, I can give you our personal testimony, and maybe one day we will. But we are more blessed today than ever before. And it's not because we've held on to more than ever before. It's because we've given more in 2018 than ever before. My, my wife was on maternity leave included. So in all of that, we've seen the goodness of God. But you can only hear my story until you start living your life hand, hands open to allow God to use you in those ways. Um, so giving. Jesus said, when you give. So it was an expectation that we ought to give as believers. So the second one is pray. Pray. He said, when you pray. And it's literally a warning against mechanical praying. Now, there's nothing wrong if... if so the Bible does speak about the persistence in prayer, right? We need to be persistent in prayer. Um, but mechanical prayer sounds like, oh, Lord, I pray that you do this. Bless me. Like, there's no conversation in that. This is just like a, a list of things that you just shoot off and like you're not even giving God a chance to respond in your time of prayer. Prayer is a communication. Uh, the way I speak with my wife when we have no kids around, let's say we're on a date, right? I, I say some things that are on my heart and she responds. Then she might express some things that are on her heart and I ought to respond to those things. With God, this is, this is the lifestyle of prayer. It's a lifestyle. It's not just a, I'm going to spend two minutes today praying, and I hope that's enough, God. <laughs> and I just list off everything. No, this is a relationship. I pray two-minute prayers every 15 minutes, if you want to look at it that way. Because it's a conversation. I'm a little doing this, and then I walk there, and I see that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Lord, I just pray for this family. Uh, they just came to mind. I pray that you would, Lord, just break through in, in their situation. Then I'll continue on and I'm like oh yeah uh, and Lord even for this uh, conversation I remember having with my son God I just pray that you would help him in this area with his friends at school and and it's just this ongoing conversation and there are times where I don't talk but I'm just listening I'm saying God what are you speaking now what are what are you saying now you see prayer is not mechanical prayer is fluid God speaks I listen I speak he listens. And it's a conversation. There's nothing wrong with having a list. In fact, last week, I encouraged you, don't make a grocery list just yet. Write your prayer list first of what you're believing God for in your life for 2019. I hope that you've done it. If not, it's obviously not too late. Um, it's important to have prayer requests and to have things that you're believing God for. Uh, but what we're talking about here is babbling. Babbling. 
where you're praying with many words. It could be a public setting. It could be at our Wednesday night prayer. See, oftentimes we hear people praying in church out loud. Maybe I don't think I'm an eloquent person of prayer. Uh, I just pray what's on my heart. But there are some prayers that I've heard prayed where I'm like, wow, is the is there a gift of prayer where they just know how to let it flow and it sounds so passionate and, and I'm like, it's eloquent. And, and we try to base the uh, effectiveness of our prayer on how well someone's words can be put together and how beautiful the sentences flow out. You know, some of the best prayers I've ever prayed were, Jesus! That's it. And he knows. And in the moment, that's more than enough. You don't need to crowd it with words. Because Jesus also said, because he already knows what your request is, even before you ask it. Some people have taken that and said, well, then I don't even need to ask because he already knows. So he should just do it for me. No. We have to humble ourselves and we have to have that relationship where we commune with the Father. But sometimes when my son gets hurt and he runs, I don't even need to hear him say dad. I just hear the shriek of the cries and the screams and I'm, I come running, right? God is our father. And Jesus said in the text when, about prayer, he said, when you go to pray, you pray our father who are in heaven. And it's that same picture of my son screaming and running is the same way we can approach God in prayer. Because he's our heavenly father. And that's the way we ought to approach him in prayer. It's like he's waiting with arms open. When we say our father in heaven, Abba father, he's like, come, let me know what's on your heart. Share with me. And then we have to listen. We have to make sure that we're able to respond. It's not mechanical. It's meant to be fluid. And the stress is on the quality of, of our prayer, not on the quantity of the utterance. It's on the quality of our prayer, not the quantity of our utterance. Like I said, sometimes three words can mean a whole lot more than 10 minutes of saying the same thing over and 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 over. Like you get annoyed of me saying over and over, but God is there saying like, okay, okay. Now the hypocrites, they were walking around praying not for heaven's approval or, or attention, but for man's attention, right? So when three times in this chapter, uh, in regards to giving, praying, and fasting, it's interesting because the pattern as it's written, as Jesus is talking, is all the same. He's like, this is what you should do. Don't be like the hypocrites, but do it this way. And when your father sees that, he will reward you. He will reward you. So that's kind of how those three play out. When you give, when you pray, and then lastly, when you fast. And I want to end, obviously, with fasting because this is where we're headed into this week. But I want to give you some examples of corporate fasts. In Jonah chapter 3, I think I put the, just the, some of the verses of highlighting there. Um, Jonah chapter 3, verses 5 and 10. It says this, the people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow because God had said, sent Jonah to give them a message. If you don't repent, your city will be destroyed. You will be destroyed. And they actually repented. And so the response in verse 10 of Jonah 3, when God saw that what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So here's an example of a corporate fast of what we are going to do together as a church. Now, no prophet is standing here telling us to turn from our sins or else we will all be destroyed. We know that sin separates us from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life. But uh, what we see here is the, the, the gathering, the people of Nineveh gathering together with common purpose, focus, and unity. And we see that God takes notice and, and responds. Esther chapter 4. Esther is a beautiful book of the Bible. And um, what's interesting is we never hear the word of God mentioned. But... 
God's fingerprints are all over the book and all over the story and what's happening. So in Esther, uh, basically Esther calls for a corporate fast, a three-day fast. And basically verse 14 of Esther 4, If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. This was Mordecai telling Esther that. Then verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. And, and in a mighty way, the king accepts Esther as she walks in. And through the whole series of events. The people are saved. And it's an incredible story. You can go and read it this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Esther chapter 4. There are many other examples. Second uh, Chronicles 20. Uh, King Jehoshaphat. One of my favorite ones. But I didn't put it in the message today. But basically they're at war. There, there's a whole bunch of armies coming against them. And they don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat doesn't know what to do. So they're inquiring of the Lord. And they, they pray and fast because they have, they, they have no way of escape. They're, they know that the armies in front of them are greater than them. And the beautiful thing is God responds to their prayer and fasting. And he says, tomorrow take your positions. Take your place on the battlefield as you would normally. He says, but know this, I will fight the battle for you. You won't have to fight. But take your positions, but no, I'm going to fight the battle for you. The battle is the Lord's. And from that, we can also see that there might be some things in 2019 that we don't even know are going to be in front of us. But as we fast and pray, that we give God the opportunity to move on our behalf. The battle is the Lord's. 2019 is the Lord's in Jesus' name. So in our fasting, uh, before beginning your fast, write down your plan. Make a verbal commitment to the Lord. Last year, I remember we did pledge cards, uh, and I had you sign it. This year, we're not going to do that. Uh, this year, I really want to stress that it's between you and the Lord, that I can't force you to do anything of what we're talking about, but I want you in my prayers that you would see for yourself the value, the benefit, and the blessing of spending time as a church family together, praying and fasting, that we will see God move, not just for the church. I'm, I'm talking about for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your home. There are testimonies I've heard from praying and fasting that marriages, broken marriages, where the husband and wife were separated, got back together again. We're believing, if maybe your marriage is struggling, that God can, can knit together again this relationship so strong that... that Nothing can separate it. And we're believing for, for broken homes where children are not in the picture and there's, there's a discord between parents and children that even those relationships will be mended and reconciled like super glue. You won't be able to pull them apart. We're believing for great things. And it starts with humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand through prayer and fasting. So when you approach it with determination, you're like, I've resolved, this is what I'm doing. You'll be less likely to waver in moments of weakness, because they will come. You'll be, you know, maybe opening your cupboard, and you'll see maybe the jar of Nutella, or the whatever it is for you that gets, gets you to that point. Um, but I want you to know, when you make up your mind now, when you see the Nutella, or the sweets, or the whatever it is, you've already purposed and resolved because you know what awaits you on the other side. That you'll say, nope, I'm saying no to you, King Stomach, because I'm saying yes to God. Very important. And I want to share with you as we close four blessings associated with fasting. Four blessings associated with fasting. Number one, answered prayer, insight, and restoration. It's a bit of what we were talking about already. Answered prayer, insight, and restoration. Number two, Joy, gladness, and cheerfulness. Uh, my prayer for all of us, we sang it today, that song, I'm free. I'm free. There's nothing holding me. Is that when we get in the presence of God, we're like little children 
that we're able to dance in his presence because of what he's done for us, because of the freedom. What is the opposite of dancing and freedom? Slavery and bondage. I think the picture in my mind is the oxen with the yoke on their back. It's a heavy piece of wood, and that was designed to keep them two by two going to plow the field in a, in a straight direction. And they would go, so that's where we get, like, don't be unequally yoked, right? Because if, if there's unbalance, then the line, the plow line won't be straight. It'll start to veer if one ox is stronger than the other. But when, when we think about freedom and, and being free in the Lord, the opposite picture I get is the oxen. And my prayer is if you feel like you're like this, like you're in bondage, there's a heavy weight on you, in this time of prayer and fasting, that everything that's been holding you down and holding you back will be broken in Jesus' name. Because the chains have already been broken when Jesus died on the cross. You just got to throw the chains away now. You're not bound. You're not bound. You've been set free. So there should be joy and gladness and cheerfulness that are, is a blessing that's associated with fasting. Then the third one is you're rewarded by God the Father. And this comes straight out of our text that we read in Matthew 6. Your father who sees what you are doing, he's the one who will reward you. You know what I've learned? The reward that I get from people, it often gets tarnished or I eat it or, or it, gets, it gets old. But God's reward, it lasts. It lasts and it follows me. It's the path of blessing. And... Um, and reward, you're rewarded by God the Father. The fourth one is spiritual power over demons. Four blessings associated with fasting. Spiritual power over demons. Maybe you've been battling spiritually and you feel like the fight is not with my stomach. It's, it's with the unseen realm. Well, the Bible does say that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with unseen uh, principalities. It's in the spiritual realm where some of us, we've been fighting here, but it's actually a spiritual battle that we have to fight. I want you to know that as you would yield yourself to prayer and fasting, that you will see God's mighty hand come upon your life. And, uh, and we have been given authority over principalities, the unseen realm, and at the name of Jesus, everything has to bow. And so as we yield ourselves in this time, I'm praying for an increase in the awareness of what fight we're actually fighting, that God would give us discernment and we will see the victory in this area as well as he gives us that power. So why should I fast? I'll close with this. Are you in need of a healing or a miracle, a touch of God in your life? To break away from bondages that have been holding you hostage. Um, the fasting that we are doing, it brings a deeper, more intimate and personal relationship with the Lord. And it also allows us to experience a fresh encounter with Him. And this is really what we desire to have. And um, there's no better way to set the course for 2019 than to do it together, spending time fasting and praying. Would you stand to your feet with me? As we close this service, I just want to remind you that we're going to meet for prayer Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday right here at the church, 730. Um, I have some things that I've written down that I just feel that we ought to focus on, on prayer for those. Uh, the only one I'll tell you today is the Friday one for healing um, that I really uh, sense God's anointing already for, for that night. But uh, I really encourage you. If you can't make it those nights, it's not the end of the world. But I really encourage you to take to heart the challenge to commit to praying and fasting for these next seven days and see what God can do in you and through you. And I believe that as we do this, see, as you are blessed, as you invest in this, we're blessed as the church. As we come together, we're blessed together. And so if you need that guide, it's available at guest services. 
It's also available on our website, westonroadchurch.com slash fasting. And it's a, a PDF button. You just click it and you could download the PDF there. Um, no menus again because the focus is on fasting and praying. Listen, the Bible views this as a, a solemn event. In Joel, it's described like this. Call a solemn assembly and let us consecrate ourselves to a fast. And so this... What we're about to embark on is not easy. Some of us, it's going to push us to the limit of what we feel capable of. But I heard something this week that greatly encouraged me. The Bible, you know that verse where it says, you'll never be tempted beyond what you can handle. Uh, that's true, but it never says that God won't give you more than you can handle. Right? Temptation is one thing, but what He gives us, that's another thing. And so as we approach this week... Maybe God wants to stretch you. Maybe God wants to just allow you to see there's so much more capacity inside of you than what you even realized was there. And I'm believing that God is going to do great things. Do you believe it, church? Say amen. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be well worth it as we deny the flesh and say yes to the things of the Spirit. Would you join me as we pray and as we start this fast together? Heavenly Father... We thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus' words to the disciples and those around him in Matthew 6, where he says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Lord, I thank you that Jesus already showed the way. He did it for 40 days. We're simply calling the church to start with seven days. Holy Spirit, ultimately, as you speak to every heart, every family, every couple, every person, Lord, that we would take to heart what your Spirit is saying to us. Lord, I pray as we set this week apart, as we consecrate it before you, God, as a week of prayer and fasting, that, Lord, you would take us to higher heights. Lord, that you would take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Lord, that we would be able to say, though, the, the flesh is weak, but you're made strong in our weakness. God, that we would see you show up in unexpected ways and in unprecedented ways. Father, I thank you that as we invest in this week of prayer and fasting, Lord, it's an investment for the whole year of 2019 that we would see your goodness pass right before us, God. Lord, we thank you for what we're, gonna do, what we're doing, but also the testimonies that will come out of what we're doing, God. And we just simply surrender ourselves to you, God. As that song we sang this morning said, Lord, you are in control and you are Lord of all. So God, we thank you today, Lord, for this opportunity we have to fast and to pray as a church. Lord, may your blessing, Lord, be felt and not just felt, but Lord, seen in front of our eyes. We thank you, Lord. We commit ourselves wholeheartedly to you now. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.